Be content, for God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. A few years ago, my younger brother was visiting my family and I, and we took my older two kids to the park. They were maybe four and six or so at the time. And as the kids were climbing on some jungle gym or play structure, I, I called out in a very parental voice, be careful. My brother kind of scoffed at me and told me he always thought it was weird saying something like that to kids. Like, like it wasn't like the kids were trying to be reckless. It just was that they weren't, be, they weren't thinking at all about being careful or being reckless. Plus, he said, be careful was, was too vague to be helpful to them. How's a kid supposed to know what be careful means when climbing a jungle gym? But then just as one of them, probably the older one, was teetering on the edge of doing something a bit reckless, my brother called out, understand your limitations. <laughs> Which I didn't think was very helpful at all. <laughs> or much more specific than be careful. I think sometimes when we come to passages of scripture, like we see here in Hebrews 13 this morning, we might feel like we're getting just a list of unhelpful or vague instructions. We can almost rattle off a list of do's and don'ts derived from this chapter this morning. Love each other, show hospitality, remember prisoners, honor marriage, don't commit adultery, don't love money, remember your leaders. We can even add to this from the gospel reading in the psalm, be humble, be merciful, lend generously, give to the poor. But hearing all these like do's and don'ts in quick succession like kind of makes my eyes glaze over. I'm just hearing a bunch of words. Like, that sounds good, maybe, I don't know, be careful. <laughs> Something similar maybe happens when we look at our collect of the day. Our collect says, we pray that your grace may always proceed and follow after us, that we may continually be given to good works. It's like, yeah, good works. What are those though? What are these good, are this the list of do's and don'ts that we have previously? Well, it seems to me that we can better understand some of these do's and don'ts, the, the moral guidance of these passages, if we understand some of the, the logic or the underlying rationale for why these authors would put forward this guidance in the first place. And I think we can find the key, or one of the keys, to unlocking this logic in verses 5 and 6 of Hebrews 13. So the author, author says in, in Hebrews 13:5, be content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's God who said that. And then in verse 6, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. So I'd suggest that and one thing that prevents us from doing good works, one thing that prevents us from following this, these lists of do's and don'ts, is fear. But God's presence with us is the antidote to our fears. God's presence is the path to contentment. And it's then the motivation for doing good and avoiding evil. If God is with me, I need not be afraid, and I can be free to do the good that God has for me. So let me unpack these two like, pithy verses here to, to show how this dichotomy between fear and contentment, I think, plays out in our relationship with God. And then I'll want to apply this rationale or this logic to a few of these specific do's and don'ts that these authors list. If God is with me, I need not be afraid, and I can be free to do the good that God has for me. So the author of Hebrews tells his audience to be content. Be content with what you have. And the idea here is one of, of being satisfied, of being filled because you've had enough. 
You can imagine that feeling after a lovely meal. You know, you're full, not too full. You've eaten just enough. You feel, you feel good. You don't need anything else. You don't need anything more at all. It's in this sense, this feeling of satisfaction that we can have when we know that God is with us. Be content, be satisfied, because God has said that he'll be with us. And the second component of the, the key to unlocking this rationale underlying these do's and don'ts comes when the author reminds us, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. God is my helper. But the idea is not like God is my servant or my assistant. The, ter the term here is more like God is something that, that supports me, something that I can hold on to. Like, like if you imagine a, like a stone arch or something that's being supported by, by wooden beams, God is my helper. He helps me from crumbling. He helps me from, uh, prevent me from falling apart. So with this support, with this divine infrastructure even, well, then I need not be afraid. I can be content. And in fact, it seems to me these ideas in these verses are, form almost a mirror or like complementary bookends to one another. Be content, for God is with you. God is my support, so I need not be afraid. I'm content. I'm not afraid. God is with me. God is my support. Contentment in God or satisfaction in God's presence is complemented by an absence of fear. And even our psalmist this morning expresses this connection when he writes that the person who knows God will not be afraid of any evil tidings, for his heart is steadfast and trusts in the Lord. His heart is established and will not fear. I think this steadfastness of heart, this trust in God, is the kind of satisfied contentment in God's presence that drives away fear. If God's with me, I need not be afraid, and I can be free to do the good that God has for me. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how, uh, how it's much easier to face new beginnings, new things, when you don't have to do so alone. Having a buddy, a partner, a friend to walk into a new situation is a much more comfortable and, and secure prospect than facing it alone. And I think this same sort of dynamic is playing out in our readings here today with God. The presence of God brings security, confidence, and contentment. And then from the safety of this relationship, then we can be continually given to good works, as our colic notes. And we can be given to good works in these various domains that then these authors outline for us in our readings today. So let's see how this plays out here. So think about how this, this security or fear, this contentment-fear dichotomy plays out in the list of do's and don'ts in Hebrews 13. Recall the injunction here in verse 2. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Well, think about why one might not show hospitality to strangers. Might it be out of fear? Isn't that the very definition of a stranger, that they're strange or they're their other? I don't, I don't know this person. What if, you know, dot, dot, dot. What if they're going to hurt me? What if they want to rob me? What if they're going to be mean to me? These are all fears that we have. Or maybe another fear we might have with respect to showing hospitality to strangers is, is that in order to show hospitality to a stranger, you have to use up some of your own stuff that you weren't planning on using. Perhaps the Arcades are not the only family who has like an emergency frozen pizza in the freezer, you know, just in case you're in a hurry, or maybe just in case someone shows up and you need to feed them. 
But what if you didn't? What if you didn't have that emergency frozen pizza? What if all you had to eat that week was what you had budgeted for yourself and your family? And then what if a stranger came? Well, one might easily fear that being hospitable to this person might mean you don't get to eat later on in the week. A fearful person is going to have a very hard time being a hospitable person. But the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my support. I need not be afraid. From a place of security, from a place of contentment in God, the God who will not leave us or forsake us, it becomes easy to welcome the stranger. As many of you know, uh, we here at All Souls partner with Exodus World Service to welcome and support refugees uh, in their transition to this area. You'll hear uh, a bit about this in a couple of weeks during our catechesis hour when one of the staff from Exodus will come and, and share how we can continue on this important work of following this, this do on the list of showing hospitality to strangers. And we can do so because we're content in the presence of God. Or what are the instruction in verse 3 to remember those who are in prison? Would not the fearful person like to forget those who are in prison? I mean, we might have this knee-jerk reaction that if you're in prison, you did something wrong, and you're somehow tainted or contaminated with that wrong, and then I might somehow become contaminated with, it, with the prisoner's wrongness. But, but we need not fear contamination or whatever. God is our helper. God is our support. From a place of security in God's presence, we're free to see people in prison as they are, human beings made in the image of God, worthy of mercy and compassion and love. Treating someone as a human being doesn't remove the need for punishment. If someone's in prison justly, then it's because there are just consequences for actions they've, they've executed or choices they've made. I suppose that might be another fear. We might fear if we, if we treat prisoners humanely, then they won't suffer appropriately for their crimes. I think that's an unfounded fear as well. Rather, if we're without fear due to our security in God, then we're free to follow the author's instructions here. Remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them. Again, I think this fear-security dichotomy plays out in the author's do's and don'ts about marriage. The author writes, let marriage be held in honor by all, and let the marriage bed be kept undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterers. The author says to be content with what you have, and if you're married, be content with who you have. Now, I imagine there's lots of factors that go into an instance of adultery, but it seems to me that many of these factors could be reduced to fear. One might be afraid of being alone, and, and one can feel alone in a marriage. One might be afraid of unfulfilled desires, afraid of, of missing out on some kind of joy or satisfaction or some kind of contentment in the arms of another. But with the rationale of God's presence here in place, we can say, don't be afraid. Be content with what you have. What you have, who you have is enough if you also have God. Even think of the example of Jesus or, or, or St. Paul, the explicit instructions that Paul gives in 1 Corinthians. One can be content without ever having sex. A lifelong celibacy is a context for contentment in God. And then surely having one sexual partner for life is a context for contentment as well. When one is satisfied in God and without fear, then marriage can be held in honor. If God is with me, I need not be afraid, and I can be free to do the good that God has for me. 
Finally, one more example of this rationale, I think, comes from our psalm. The psalmist writes of the one who is content with the presence of God. He has given freely to the poor. Like with the instance of, of hospitality, think about why one might not give freely to the poor. Might it be because one's afraid? Perhaps we're, we fear that if we give freely to the poor, we might end up as the poor ourselves. Or maybe our fear isn't even that great living here in the western suburbs of Chicago. Perhaps our own poverty isn't our fear. We just fear that we might not be able to live quite as comfortably or, or quite as comfortably as our neighbors. But that kind of comfort, the comfort of the rich, is not the kind of comfort afforded by the contentment in the presence of God. Rather, if God is with me, I need not be afraid, and I can be free to do the good that God has for me. And so our colleague asks that we might be given to good works, good works like showing hospitality to strangers, remembering those in prison, being devoted to a spouse, or giving freely to the poor. But the collect also asks for grace, grace from God that comes from the very presence of God with us, enabling us to be content and thus not to fear. If God is with me, I need not be afraid, and I can be free to do the good that God has for me. Amen.